Let's start, everyone. everyone. Good evening, everyone. Hi, Noah. I'd ask you how you're doing, but I already know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, see, I see, see Jen isn't in here. Uh, actually, what, what we could do is join the room just so it looks like you're in here, and then go put your phone in the other room <laughs> so we're not, we can't hear the feedback out of it. Yes. We're, uh, yeah, we're doing a weird thing. Jen is here, obviously, if you you don't, uh, if you hadn't uh, realized, she's she's sitting in my actual apartment. Is that too, are we going to still be able to hear that? I think so. Go put it in like the other, other room. Like literally go put it in the, yes, the other, other room. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Thursday night and we're all crossed out here at my apartment. Um, Jen is in town doing Jen things. Uh, and, uh, it's, it, it was either this, see the way we do call in, it's like we had two options. We could either both speak through like one phone or Jen could go sit in the other room and I would sit in this room and we would just do our own thing. But like, so that it wouldn't feed back into itself. But like, that's, that's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do call in from your bathroom. No <laughs> that would be very funny. And yeah, like if somebody wants to join the call later, we're going to have to do a whole other thing. It's actually... It's actually not, it's not designed for what we're doing now, kind of. No, no, we're kind of using the platform in a way that it wasn't really meant to be used, but it's okay, whatever, we're just going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know how I know that like, I trust you? Right before we started doing this call-in, no one picks up my $1,200 cell phone and like a bent paperclip and starts doing things, and I'm like... Sir, what are you no, doing to my phone? It wasn't a bent paperclip. No, no, it's a it's a headphone jack. What I was thinking of doing is like putting it in the headphone plug so that would turn off the sound as though you were plugging headphones into. I wasn't <laughs> like, what are you doing? No, I was, and I I was like trying to. Never mind. We like I said, my phone trying, doesn't have a headphone jack. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, I know iPhones don't, but I guess now no. Androids don't either. Mm, right? nope. Goodbye, headphone jacks. Mm. Anyway, hi everybody. This, you, I, you did not tune in to listen to us talk about my phone, so <laughs> I don't know what they tuned in to talk about to hear us talk about today. Um, I think we were gonna we were gonna talk about <laughs> handcuff yeah. gate. It's not a gate. It's uh, we need to find some other thing about it. But the whole hand. Well, you can't call it handcuff a palooza because yes. there was no handcuffing actually happening. Anyway, so I'm sure everybody's already seen by now on social media. Um, what was this, Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Um, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and apparently a couple of other Congress people were, quote unquote, attending an abortion protest in front of the Supreme Court, where they basically went out and I guess they were charged with technically with like obstructing traffic, but... So they're out there, and it's pretty obvious that they're 
pretending like they're being handcuffed by Capitol Police and being led away until, of course, the the coordinated between AOC and Omar, the, the fist raise, which as, as anybody who's ever been cuffed knows, you can't really be cuffed and do a fist raise at the same time. <laughs> so obviously everybody mocked them for this online. I mocked them mercilessly because you could tell by the way they were dressed that they were not attending this protest. AOC is out there in like a fall length coat. A wool pea coat. It was like 95 degrees with like 75% humidity. Yeah, it's ridiculously hot. Arrest LARPing, yes. People are throwing out terms in chat arrest LARPing, hoax scuffing. (laughs) I called it. Cosplay, but spelled C A U S E. Cosplay. It's what I call. It's what I call it when uh, celebrities go to like, like pl- you know, play poor and like protests. I remember when uh, when Occupy Wall Street was a thing. That's when I first twigged to that. Like Anne Hathaway was down there doing Occupy Wall Street, but like for the two weeks she came to New York, she rented like a fifteen hundred dollar a night. Like she wasn't staying in the tents. Yeah, sweet. But then, like going out and pro doing the the Occupy Wall Street protests. Yeah, so like uh, this is a little like that too. It's very cynical, by the way. If you li- if you think about it, um, it's all these celebrities who, uh, or either celebrities or you know, or or people in government who like is even if they get arrested, nothing. It's not a problem for them. Meanwhile, like all the people that they're kind of like enticing to do it. That can really fuck your life up. That could fuck your shit up, especially if you're, you know, like of a lower socioeconomic class, maybe even if you're like a person of color or whatever. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're arrested. You don't make it to work. You get fired. Now it's hard for you to get another job. And what was it worth it? And for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that was like a half half hour of not even inconvenience because she planned for it to happen. Yeah, I, I remember Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine went to a protest of like um, uh, the maids in somewhere in California. There was a thing where like maids were, pro, you know, illegals who were maids in hotels weren't being given proper then. And he went there with like and said like, we have all the intention of being arrested. And I was like, who the fuck is we, dude? <laughs> like, you're not. What do you like? You don't care. What do you give a shit if you get arrested? And the the story that came out about this is that there was a progressive organization that reached out to them and asked them to go down there and surrender themselves for arrest for the cause, for the activisms, for the, you know, likes and retweets and all that stuff. So basically this whole thing was a staged stunt, basically. AOC showed her arrest paperwork where it shows, like I said, it was just like disorderly conduct or something like that. And she's getting a big whopping $50 fine. So her arrest entailed her pretending to be cuffed, except when she had to do the, the power fist raise, being escorted over into the shade and given water and taking selfies and then being let go with a $50 fine. Like... Uh, on what planet is that being arrested? Yeah, and yeah, they 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 uh, they got both they got both uh, uh, both uh, poses: the hands behind the back pose and the raised fist pose for both. Uh, you know, for they got, they gave them both options to to show either that or that. But yeah, I, I'm very glad that it turned into a whole clowning thing, and it shows that even they, even 
even the great AOC, the great controller of of media and optics, AOC, is able to be clown herself massively and then have to go and explain it online in a long Instagram post. Like, no, actually, best practices is to keep your hands behind your back. It's like, just, dude, come on, take the hell. And, and in that statement, she, she said, it, it wasn't a PR stunt, but we were asked to go do this. I'm like, that is a PR stunt. Yeah. What, I, I, you can try to explain it with different words, but yeah, basically I was right. This was a PR stunt. And Omar even kind of like messed it up because she forgot to even wait for her police escort. She just put her hands behind her back and then just like wandered off like there was no police escort. Yada da da da. It looked like she was going for a little stroll with her hands behind her back. Yes. Just pacing, pacing along. Uh, and uh, yeah, like... And and we were talking about we were talking about also on Twitter and I think we, we discussed this on uh, on Sunday on the pod too, uh, uh, a- acting in a way that does that belies you know like the severity that you're projecting. You're saying humanity is in dire peril and we're all gonna die. But then she's like smir- she's smirking at the camera like this is all f- like ha 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 look what I'm doing and it's like are you really aside from the fact that the act itself doesn't help you're also behaving like a shit you're not behaving like this is a bad thing you're behaving like you're having a fun afternoon or like I've said on the pod like you really don't care like I, 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 you you turn this into a publicity stunt. For yourself, something that I'm sure there were legitimate protesters there, obviously, and there are millions of women who have lost their abortion access. But this is a, a photo op for you, like okay, I, I'm I'm doubting your sincerity here. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give uh, Abe Greenwald a, a credit for this again. He said the thing that COVID showed is how people and politicians act when they're legitimately. When they think something is a legitimate problem, how fast they act, how, um, you know, how like not lightly they take it. But now all both Congress is like, I don't know if we're going to get this vote in before our recess and not you cancel recess. Poof. I don't. What do you what do you what are you crazy? What do you, I, we gotta, I gotta go. It's not, it's recess. We can't cancel recess. And it's like, okay, fine. But then don't. What am I, how am I supposed to take, you know, it's the same as the, it's the same as the whole thing with the Democrats that are uh, promoting the Trumpiest candidates that they can because they think uh, it'll be easier to defeat them. And it's like, okay, fine, but then don't sell, don't tell me that you think this person is like a moral danger to democracy. If you're like, if you're, you know, if you'd rather face him because you think it's easier, you'd promote him for it. And there are progressive organizations that are actually getting mad at Democrats for this, where they're like, they're going on recess instead of filling judicial branch, like, openings. Like, if, you, if you're oh, concerned... Oh, yeah, yeah, there was if, that, sure. Yeah, if you're so concerned about the judicial branch and the, the direction it's taking in this country, um, maybe skip recess and appoint some more federal judges? I don't know. I mean, one of the things that they, uh, that they most, that McConnell did that most hurt Democrats was how many judges he got appointed. Uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that that, uh, that Mitch McConnell would have, like, 
been totally okay with judicial nominations, like being falling through because people want to go on a recess. Like Chuck Schumer is, I don't understand. The thing I don't understand is, I don't understand how Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer still have power, considering the fact that they like, they can't exert power over anyone. Like, where's the power that they have? Like, that's the thing. Like, isn't power derived from your ability to like get shit done? Like McConnell is powerful because McConnell got shit done. Like, and, but then they're not. So I don't understand why they even, why they're even still in the job. Maybe it's because everyone is even weaker. Maybe uh, that quite possibly, honestly. I mean, who else would even begin to fill those jobs right now? I mean. That's also true that there isn't really a big, there isn't really a big uh, uh, name, a big face that can be, that, you know, that can be the person. Especially not anybody in any, like, the younger ranks. You'd just be switching out, like, one 70-year-old for another 70-year-old, which... It's like the Saudi royal family. Yeah. Um, not helping the gerontocracy. Yeah, and, and now there's this whole thing with, like, yeah, because Biden, Biden now has COVID. And maybe had cancer from various Oof. sorts of... Are we gonna oil get slicks on windshields oh, and the cold dust. But I mean, by... And that gave him the skin cancer. So Biden, <laughs> Biden just says bullshit. Biden is a uh, uh, like a so people like Trump obliterated people's like sense of history and whatever. But like Biden was a, a is a classic example, a, a way pre-Trump classic example of a bullshitter politician who says st- tells stories that aren't true and repeats the same story with minor shifts and brings himself scummily into things. Like when he mentioned Bo Biden, when he was talking about people who died in Afghanistan, which was like, that's why it's, it's only very, very tertiarily related. And that, that's what he did here. He was like, oh, that's why everybody has cancer. And it's like, you had non-melanoma skin cancer. It wasn't from fucking oil or coal. And so, like, he just wants to bring himself into the thing. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he tans. I mean, he's pretty pretty orange. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. But now he has COVID, apparently. But he's still working, as far as I can tell from his Twitter feed. I don't really know what Joe Biden does all day. But apparently he's still doing it. But, yeah, so now that's the big thing is he has COVID, which... Whatever. Old people get COVID now. They have the, the Paloxavid. The, the yeah, Pax, can, Paxlovid, yeah. Yeah, the thing that I can never pronounce, and everybody seems to be okay. So, I don't know. Not that big a deal to me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's mostly, again, It's I know that it's a tired thing to keep saying, but... Uh, it, it, it's, it is annoying the different attitude, the, 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 the sort of the lack of scrutiny, the lack of curiosity, the lack of, uh, I think, uh, Politico is one place that's slowly becoming a kind of a repository for like disgruntled administration people to go, (laughs) to go spill the beans, uh, but yeah, the fact that like, they're like, yeah, sure he has it, but like, so, so what, who cares? And it's like when Trump got it, they had to do like these spreader maps in the White House and who gave it to who and all that crap. It's an, yeah, it's irritating that they don't do it. And uh, and um, and again, it brings up this whole thing of like, will he run? Should he run? Shouldn't he run? Uh, yeah, and then there's also the questions now that have come back up this week is is. Trump running, he's kind of teasing it. They said that he made a decision, but he's not publicly said the decision yet. And so again, you've got another old 
old guy possibly running for president against another very old guy running for president. I think that uh, the, the sense on the left that DeSantis might end up being the nominee is increasing. And you can tell by the amount of uh, takes about him. Uh, mostly to say that he's like, or he's even worse than Trump. Be careful of this guy. That to me signals that they're they're starting to realize that there's actually a chance that Trump is gonna either walk away or just like not not get it, like want it and not get it, which is yeah something that that is hard to <laughs> hard to fathom. <laughs> and we are also at like the the people are saying phase of the story of people are saying that Joe Biden shouldn't run in twenty twenty four and. Democrats are saying anonymously that Biden shouldn't run in 2024, which, of course, neither man should run in 2024 because they're both extremely old and nobody really wants either one of them to be president anyway. So, but yeah, and we've we've discussed this on the regular pod about the gerontocracy and our irritation with it and all of that. So it's like, at some points... I mean, I I still think that DeSantis has a shot at the nomination. I mean, if Trump runs, it's going to be an absolute shit show, and they deserve every bit of it, to be honest. But yeah, I I think he could win the nomination. But like I said, just on that alone, that like Trump is old and people are kind of – I'm calling it Trump fatigue syndrome, where even his fans are kind of getting to the point where they're like, I'm just really tired of hearing about and from this guy and just kind of – not not that they don't like him anymore, but just kind of ready to move on to the new thing. So you're so there, yeah. There's it's there's a lot of factors like that, and the idea because he I th- I also think that the fact that he's still so obsessed with the election uh, makes people not like him anymore and say like I like what but like we don't. DeSantis is talking about what should be done and what he is doing and whatever, and he's not focused on his own personal battle to like to to you know kind of retroactively somehow prove that he was right, and uh, and uh, yeah, and like you said, young somebody who's younger and has you know is has the potential to like be a, like an Obama you know and be somebody who will can serve two terms in a be young and fresh and not like limp to the finish line and, and shit like that and yeah because he has trumpy aspects might make trumpy people might make it easier for them to break with trump and say like yeah all, all these things that i liked about trump DeSantis does too but also he's not a raving lunatic and in case you wonder just how much Donald Trump has not let this go yet, just this past week, I think he called the Wisconsin Secretary of State to ask him to look into the election again because of the Supreme Court ruling on the ballot boxes in Wisconsin. Asking him, like, hey, you know, you see the Supreme Court, you should take a look at that again. And dude, just like, no, we're not. Uh, we're not relitigating the 2020 election again and in to 2022. Be, and to be clear, the culture of like flat out saying that that a president a president was illegitimate predates this uh it goes to bush bush the first time bush won the second time bush won it did it they did it in 2016 hillary still walks around and says that she lost illegitimately but that doesn't take away from the fact that this guy is like be like beyond it's like beyond it i you know i thought it's funny i thought 
that Trump's whole plan was to run in 2016, lose, and then capitalize forever on the idea that the election was stolen from him. I think I even said this at the time. I might have a tweet where I said this, which would have been very prophetic because I was going to say he was going to go build a big Trump media empire and his whole shtick was like, I almost became president and the establishment colluded to keep me out of it but and then use that to be like a big kingmaker. But instead, he's like, cause, and he could do that now. He could just start Trump TV and all Trump TV would be about was about how the election was stolen. It wouldn't do well, apparently. Like at the time, I think in 2016, if he had lost and done that, it would have done very well. Now he's way too niche. He's like he's alienated way too many people. Nobody likes – very few people are still like Trump people. People who would like totally vote for Trump want him to be – but are not like – vocally love Trump and are cultists of Trump. Because enough. He's just, he's so overbearing, even if you like him. I mean, he did even try to start a media empire after he was president. I think there was rumors that he was going to try to like, start his own TV company to compete with Fox News because he thought Fox News was being too mean to him, so he was going to go make another like, TV station. Yeah, and then, but then, and then he even turned on Newsmax, and there was all... Yeah, he he is he's impossible to get along with uh, because he is his he's entirely situational. Like he loves you only as long as you do what he wants, and the second you don't, he hates you, and uh, he'll flip that switch on and off at will. I was just trying to remember. He just did it to somebody who was running for senate, and I can't remember who it was this time. Because it's been so many times, somebody will say something mildly critical of him, and it's like, "Oop, he's they're they're a rhino, and I'm going to support their 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 primary opponent." Yeah, it's, I know. And he got mad at Elon Musk. Oh yeah, that too. And was like, "Oh, he loved me, and he used to love me, and kiss my ass, and whatever," which might be true, but like that doesn't mean he liked him. Elon Musk has been kissing political ass for years. That's how he gets like huge grands and shit. That's how, you know, that's how he gets like, he gets subsidies to do things with his companies. But, um, but Trump loved him when he thought he voted for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. Like it's not, and that's the only, even if he had loved him, that would be the only reason that he loved him. That and nothing else. Like the, 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 his situational benefit, um, and yeah, I think that's part of the reason that, that, that somebody who is, uh, Trumpy in the, all of the right, quote unquote, right ways, but not in a lot of the other ones might be an attractive prospect. I said DeSantis is still the only one I see that Trumpy people I know and extremely non-Trumpy people I know both are like, yeah, I'd vote for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in a reluctant way, like in a solid way. Like maybe not, I love this guy. Even some MAGA people are like, you know, aren't like, oh, I love DeSantis. But you ask, would you vote for him? And they go like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, and, and yeah, and not, not the, the, the edge, edge, never Trumpers, but like other non-Trump conservatives, which is like sort of the, the people I kind of exist among are not never Trumpers and they're not Trumpers. There's a big, there's actually not a not, a non-negligible kind of section like that because never Trumpers are a small group um, and they don't want, they, they seem to be uh, displeased with the idea of like incremental change in Republicans. 
They want to. They want. They want to go from Trump to Liz Cheney. Like they want no intermediate steps. Yeah. One thing I am afraid of, just because this is after 2016 and 2020, I just accept that this is going to be the norm now. Of just like these clown car primary seasons, where like 20 people end up running and actually making it to the point of like the debates, because there's there's two kinds of people that actually run for office now. People that actually want the office and people who are just trying to raise their profile for their next thing. And so you get that with presidential elections now, too, where you have people who are like serious candidates and then people who, you know, are running to raise their profile. They know that they're not going to be in this for like a particularly long period of time. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an absolute disaster. And I mean, at this point, I think Biden is committed to running in 2024 i mean i guess committed committed though you know what's committed what did he sign a con what when what's going to happen if he says he reneges on it like what is what is anybody gonna say pure anarchy and kamala harris well yeah well that's the thing like i mean you know what i i'm i firmly believe that any legitimate talk about this is tabled until after the midterms anyway. They're not going to be talking. Now, who who in the administration is going to have a serious talk about it right now when they got a literal election way before that to worry about? They're all saying, we'll talk about it after the election. Let's see how the election goes. Let's see who wins, who doesn't win. Because if somebody wins, like literally they could do like an Obama on steroids where if somebody pulls like an amazingly impressive like Senate win, they'll just turn around and say like, run that person, whoever that is. I don't know. Don't bet. It's not going to be Beto. He's running for governor. Yeah. But something like that. Someone like, like imagine Beto pulls like a ridiculous upset somehow. I mean, I don't know if he's favorite to win. I don't think he is. But like, let's, let's say his win is amazing. And then he immediately signs executive orders reversing all of the abortion shit. I don't know what, whatever. And then the Democrat, then the Democrats can look at someone like that and say, like, okay, maybe he can be the vice president, like put together like a new ticket. If they got somebody like that, they'd be like, you need to be a governor for all of the terms you can possibly be governor for, because we are not letting you out at states. I mean, maybe you're. I mean, that's not a bad. That's not a bad point, but. Like, who are they going to... They need some... But that's the thing about Biden not running. Step one, who else? And that's... who. And I don't know. I and mean, their bench is pretty weak. I mean, who... I Do you try to run Buttigieg again? No. So the problem... Um, what they should do, by all accounts, is pick a very solidly performing governor. Like, uh, who's in Colorado? What's that guy's name? Jared Polis, who has already said he won't do it because he's running for governor. Okay, but I mean, like, somebody like that. Yeah, that would would be, like, the ideal choice. Yeah, like, and that's why it won't happen either. I mean, in both parties, we've we've spoken about this before, but, like, both parties have the same problem, but it's a different, it it manifests differently in both parties, and it, it is the fact that, like, some of their best general election candidates will never ever win the primary. <laughs> That's the weird system. Like, but that because they don't, unless they like are able to scummily like run way to the right of, or to the left of what they're actually going to govern. But somebody who is like a really so, really solid in their ability to be unantagonistic to the other side, but still like stick to their guns Somehow that's not good in primaries. And yeah, like now the Democratic Party, 
is governed by Twitter. And, you know, you bring some kind of white guy who's some governor and, like, how many followers does he even have on Instagram? <laughs> like, what are, how are we going to – how's that person going to be president if they don't have a TikTok? You know, I don't know how they're going to navigate that. I don't either. And one of the biggest problems with what happens in primary seasons are closed primaries because that means you just get, like – the most extreme people in your party coming out to vote. And usually people that are, like, more centrist, middle, don't really vote in primary. So it always skews towards, like, the more extreme candidate, which they can win in your party, but they're not going to really win in a general unless they're running against someone who's also batshit crazy, which is always a possibility at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like I said, I think that any like Biden willy won't he uh, discussion will happen uh, around January. You'll probably see more serious like like talk about it. But, yeah, there's all kinds of comms, shakeups. People are leaving people there. Like I said, people are going to cry to Politico to playbook now is the place where you get all the anonymous staffers saying like, it's frustrating, Biden is indecisive. They said, apparently I was reading that, the, his problem is that he wants every tiny detail explained to him. And if somebody says, oh, I don't have that, he says, okay, let's reschedule another meeting and give me that info at that meeting. And they're like, okay, then, but then like nothing gets done. And this happens all the time. And then somebody also brought up something I think from his book where he said that his only big criticism of Obama was that he was indecisive. In the exact, he describes Obama's indecision in the exact same way that he now operates himself. Which also, by the way, proves that, that the ch it's the chair, right? Until you're in that, even the vice president doesn't know what it's like to be the president, right? And I get that. I give some leeway to every president because there is only one the president. Yeah, and it's not like you can really have on-the-job training for that. But it's like, even if you want to, like, give the presidential office grace, like, the comms people can kind of communicate this in a better way of just basically saying, like, guys, we're in weird territory right now. I don't really know what the hell we're doing. But no, they got to do, like, the dumbest messaging of life. And I'm just like, this is not that hard. They're... It's 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 sort of amazing to me. I I think what they what happened was and yeah, there's a lot of Obama people in this administration or were especially like when it began, and I think they were relying on a similar dynamic to what happened with Obama, which relied on a lot of press uh, friendliness. The problem is between co and and I think at, and on some level I think they really did believe that the second Trump was out of office. A lot of these problems would have like fallen, the solutions would have fallen into their laps. I think they bought their own shtick after a little while about how like there was this almost this image that like the Trump administration was like actively sabotaging COVID efforts and stuff. And they were like, just get those people out of there. It'll like self-correct to everything great. And then it didn't. And the media, and then they and they were also shitty about it to the media from day one, essentially. And yeah, like slowly, you know, like page, the patience is running out. Yeah, it, it, you start seeing these new pieces now where people are, are talking about how, you know, how how the Biden administration is being covered versus how the Trump administration was being covered, and somehow 
we are coming out of this calculus with the press is mean to Biden. And I'm like, excuse me, what? Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, growing, like there's a growing uh, tide of takes about this, about how the press is, is adversarial to Biden in ways that are not fair. And that none of this is his control. You know, because it was, because the gas prices rising was not his fault. It was Putin. It was Putin. Then gas prices started to inch down a little. And now we're supposed to thank him for it. You know, they say like, what is it? What do they say? Success has many parents, but failure mm-hmm. is always an orphan. And so it was always that. Because I, when I saw the gas prices were coming down, I said, oh, thank you, Putin. <laughs> that was my reaction. Because I was like, I was told... I was told that it was him. It was, they called it the Putin gas, the, the Putin, Putin gas hike or whatever. I mean, I'm just happy that the Ukraine war is over and Ukraine won, and now the gas prices are coming down. It's uh, that thing is that thing is uh, it's interesting. It's kind of faded from the everyday news, uh, but it's still you know it's still a big uh, big problem. Yeah, is they're still kind of in that slog territory where it's like every day you kind of see all right. Russia advanced, Ukraine advanced, they, Ukraine got these weapons from these people and they're doing well with them, And but it's not enough. And so it's like, I mean, there's no way this can end in a stalemate. I mean, that's not going to be acceptable to Ukraine and obviously not going to be acceptable to Russia. So, I mean, at this point, I think we're going to be here a while. It's Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, like like you said, like the the... The, the war continues, the arming continues, uh, and uh, but it's all kind of in the background now. Um, I think, again, I think there's going to be lots of implications in terms of like the global energy market, nuclear. I really hope, again, if this, if this, uh, if this uh, brings back nuclear to being a thing, you know, if you want to talk about climate change being like an existential long-term threat, you can even say that on like the grander scale of humanity, like it, it's almost like it would almost be like a benefit. You know how they say that we wouldn't have gone to space or the moon without, you know, Nazi rocket uh, rocket technology, right? That's a thing. That's like a fact. Werner von Braun, he was a Nazi rocket scientist. And we like, instead of putting him in prison, we were like, uh, can we can we hire you? Yeah, we just like paperclipped his ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guess what? We paperclipped his ass. <laughs> We put a little clippy with like a with like a G with like a American uh, military uniform on. Like, would you like to would you like to build a civilian rocket? Uh, I don't think it was an ask. I think it was more of a tell. Yeah. Well, you know, there was it was mutually beneficial. I'm sure he oh. didn't want to spend the next 45 years in a prison. But uh, um, but almost you know, in a kind of a similar weird way. If you look at this like 50 years down the line and the, you know, and De- the Dan Carlin version where he's talking about like the Ukraine war and it's going to be Dan Carlin Jr., right? And they'll, he'll talk about how one of the legacies of that war is, the, you know, the, 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 the resurgence of good nuclear energy with like state of the art reactors that are much cleaner and much safer and, because again, a lot of the people who oppose nuclear energy think that the technology has stayed the same since 1986. Apparently, <laughs> which is very funny because there's all there's all sorts of uh, reactors that are like legitimately like fail fail safe that they 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 can't melt down. There's all kinds of cool shit 
and nuclear tech now. And the, the waste is easier to, to, to take care of, all kinds of crap like that. You know what else you could do to abolish climate change? What? Abolish capitalism. You, well, of course. I mean, that's we got to return to a communist agrarian society. I mean, look, that's the that is the that is the the point for a lot of these people. It's the, those things are inextricable, like they're intertwined, and you can't disentangle them one from the other. Like one is totally dependent on the other, uh, and that's yeah. Well, that's why they got all kinds of stuff like that, like the nuclear ones. I, there, there are a couple. I keep seeing Matt Iglesias keeps finding these stories about how environmentally productive things are being held up because of environmental groups for mm-hmm. this or that reason. It happens a lot. I mean, we make the meme about Thanos and environmentalists, but it, it's really kind of true, especially when somebody resurfaced. I think this was an old clip from Jane Goodall talking about climate change, and her solution is that we just need to go back to having the same amount of people we had on Earth 500 years ago, which I think would eliminate the population by about 6 billion people. Yeah, yeah, no, the population got, and it's also, I mean, I've said this before, like the problem is so much more complex than it, people love to like quip about, because I also think that having an impact on the climate is something that is also sort of an inherent problem of having lots of people who live in an industrialized society. And so the idea is like you want to minimize it. But the fact that something has an impact on the climate, fucking beavers have an impact on the climate. They divert rivers. They cause they can I mean, they literally can algae in the ocean, like dozens, like huge algae clouds in the ocean have big effects on the climate. The thing like living organisms can impact the climate in major ways. And yeah, we're doing it at a way, way bigger rate. We'll see. That's the thing. No, we just need less living organisms. Yeah, so, <laughs> there are a lot of those of the, the, the things, for example, you know, there was that EPA ruling from uh, the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so busy about abortions and guns, they forgot that the Supreme Court also literally doomed the planet. Yes, we're all going to die now because they instructed the EPA that um, they can't just do whatever they want yes. to do. Yes, now here's the thing that nobody told you about that. The industry has already well outpaced the regulations that were ruled unconstitutional, meaning all of the plants that are now in operation are already cleaner then that bar is anyway. Like the tech advances quicker than policy. So they say, for example, because yeah, policy forced the tech to become cleaner. And so now it's just, those rules didn't matter. And so it doesn't, like that's the thing. In the same way that, you know, like Roe v. Wade wasn't, it was an idea of like sending it to other people to decide. It wasn't them deciding the thing. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. We're getting rid of a regulation that nobody was like violating anyway. Like anybody, like the technology is good enough so that no one was like hitting that bar anyway. But then everybody got mad because it's like, oh, it's the EPA. They're getting the EPA. It's like no, they basically just said the EPA can only do what Congress says they can do, which has. The EPA actually has a fairly narrow mandate that they've been overstepping for ages now because nobody in Congress really wants to do the things like pass laws. But, I mean, that's all that is. And like you said, the the benchmarks have already been surpassed by companies on their own because it's in their own financial interest to do so. 
So, of course, they're going to go ahead and do that because if for nothing other than just being able to say, we reduced our emissions by blah, 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 and they're advertising, and then, then you look good or whatever. Yeah, and I'm not a I'm – like I'm, I'm, I'm a reasonable person in these, in these terms, and I do think that there are like frameworks of regulation that are, are fine. But, they, yeah, they need to be sparse and they need to be smart because something like this is smart. You set some kind of standard that kind of forces companies to make to make better things for their own benefit, and like the side benefit is like you save the earth. Like that's the thing. You need to incentivize these companies to do things that benefit them, but then also benefit everybody else, like as a side product. For example, like I mean, this is just a, a dumb like this isn't a, like a practical solution, but like imagine you saying to all of the companies that build, you know, like power plants or whatever, we're going to give a huge prize to the person who builds the cleanest power plant. And so then, you know, it becomes like in there or give the government grants to whoever, because mm. they usually say, we'll give it to the person who, you know, the lowest bidder. Yeah. But how about they say, we'll give it to the, the person who designs the thing with the lowest carbon footprint. And so then you're, they're maximizing for cleanliness that's in their benefit because they win the thing, and the side benefit is we all win, right? That's you got to think about it kind of smart like that. And that's been an ongoing argument in the environmentalist movement for ages. How basically the government could incentivize private companies to do this through tax breaks, grants, whatever. But then you start running up against environmentalists who aren't really into it because there are environmentalists, but because they're anti-capitalists and just view the environmentalism movement as their way to get to where they want to go. So there has always been that argument in sort of the environmental movement, but obviously the way to do this is just to incentivize companies to make cleaner energy because it's in their best interest. And it's, Like I said, there's always that argument. I can go on a whole libertarian tangent about Uh, how best to handle private sector innovations, but nobody wants to hear that. Well, yeah. Um, I said that COVID uh, made me change my stance from wanting small government to wanting uh, like streamlined government or aerodynamic government. And yeah, when you build something that's aerodynamic... Parts of it got to be thick and other parts of it got to be like equivalently skinny, right? Because you build it right. Because like, you know what I mean? Like the shape of a wing has like a kind of a fat part and it has kind of like a skinny part that those two need to work in tandem. And so because, you know, if something is too small and thin, it's also kind of brittle if you want to retain this weird metaphor, this weird materials technology metaphor. But uh, yeah, so the idea is like make it chunky in the very specific areas where that helps, but in that way like facilitate – because there was lots of stuff in COVID that easily they shoveled aside all kinds of regulations, drive-by booze and pick up – you can pick up your alcohol and you got all these things and they were like, oh shit, we can just – we can just stop. We can just stop doing this, right? And it was like, yeah, you shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. But then, yeah, but then in other things, like if you want to quickly deploy a system of vaccinations or whatever, you should probably have like the means and the ability to do that. And maybe not a regulatory scheme that gets in the way of approving the vaccines in the first place. Yeah, I mean, that was a nightmare. And now they're, they got the baby formula thing. They got the monkey pox problem with the vaccines now where 
they were going to bring them from Europe, and the people said no for no, for no reason. Yeah, it's just it's 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 ridiculous. Like we just did this. Yeah, we just we just did this. We just did this. We like we literally just did this, uh, and so. Um, and so, yeah, like you need to be able, like, for example, like I saw, I was at a panel because of a job I worked years ago on uh, biosecurity and I discovered that there's a, like a sub agency somewhere in like DHS, I think. And their job is to keep tabs of like the national stockpiles of non-medical, like non-medicated supplies for medical emergencies, like all the gloves, all the, uh, syringes, all of the whatever, yeah. and they need to know like uh, where all of the stocks are and what kind of stocks, so that if they in a huge, if there's a huge, I don't know what, like weaponized anthrax attack, they got to know like where they can ship needles to and who needs gloves where. It's good to have like robust capabilities like that, but because I my argument is the reason the CDC is bad like that is because we've become a bloated bureaucratic state. If we were an aerodynamic one, we would give the CDC chonk, you know, in specific areas, but not in others, and then it wouldn't get too fucking full of itself and think who the fuck it is. That's the problem. You say, like, you give someone a very small thief, and you say, you run this thing, right? Leave everything else alone. This little thing is your kingdom. You run this. And that's it. Yes. You be the boss of this little island and like leave everything else alone, you fucking Fauci. <laughs> He's not at the CDC. <laughs> and, and we don't make the FDA the boss of anything because they apparently are not up to that task. No, they're terrible. And then there's also other things like if you want to if you want to scare yourself a lot about the FDA, go watch a documentary called The Bleeding Edge about the FDA approval process for medical devices, stuff like IUDs and all that stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money to take anything from concept to actual production. Oh to no, no, distribution. oh, like- oh, oh, no! This documentary is about the other thing. This is a documentary about how a loophole in the CDC's law lets people uh, put into market really bad, not well-tested medical devices because, okay. But we can't get vaccines. Yeah, okay, here we're, here we're gonna, I'm gonna cross over two things. I'm gonna, we're gonna do a crossover here. The, 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 the 737 MAX, remember mm-hmm. the Boeing 737 MAX yeah. that went down and there was a whole scandal with it. The problem with the 737 MAX was it was essentially a new plane but because they didn't want to re- have to recertify it, they just essentially bolted on a bunch of stuff to the old 737 and were like, oh, it's just a new version called the 737 the Max. Max, right? I think the Airbus did the same thing. They have like a 320-something XL, I don't know, whatever. Uh, in the same way, the FDA has this thing where if you have a medical device that's merely an improvement on a previous one, you can file some kind of paperwork and then you don't got to get it like retested and retrialed and stuff. But the, the, the this thing is highly abusable. People, they uh, one company made like hip replacement things out of cobalt and people got cobalt poisoning, which literally makes you insane. <laughs> And so nobody knew to diagnose it. Literally, people were like, they thought they were like schizophrenic. And it was because cobalt from their fucking hip joint was leaching into their blood. Like, that's fucking crazy. 
people thought they were losing their minds. And like it took time to fucking feel that was like an episode of House. Yeah. Right? It's like <laughs> they don't know what it is. It's the cobalt from the hip replacement. And yeah, they had a couple of like IUD type devices that were like that did damage to women. It was pretty awful. Um and so yeah, when you need them to be thorough <laughs> That's when they're fucking looking the other way as people are getting cobalt poisoning and like becoming like barren because of their weird eye, like IUD thing and falling for Theranos. <laughs> but we had to wait like a year for vaccines, even though they were already like two days after the announcement of COVID. I mean, look, I get it. I get it. I I've actually early on in early on in uh, in COVID, what the FDA and CDC did that was fucked up was the tests. They didn't approve mm-hmm. the tests. They're all kind of rapid tests, and there were uh, and the the labs they wouldn't they weren't they wouldn't certify labs. I don't know if you remember. Like I remember, like by May of 2020, I was like shutter the CDC and the FDA because there were all these stories about how the tests were going to these labs, and then the FDA was like, no, it can't be at this lab. It has to go to that lab, and then it would sit there for weeks. And then by the time they tested it, it wasn't good, and they weren't approving certain tests. And then in Europe, you could go into like a drugstore and get a test for free, like months and months before you could do that here. Uh, yeah, like there was a whole scandal where like the Cuomo's got their tests before everybody <laughs> else got tests. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been they they've been terrible forever, and I don't know why people think that. Given the bureaucrats like that, you know, I know it sounds like a fucking annoying, like annoying, uh, uh, li- you know, not libertarianism <laughs> or, or or Tucker Carlsonism <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, like the bureaucratic state, these people who are unelected and are like technocrats or, or professionalcrats, you know, I don't know, uh, what do you call it, um, credentialists, they got super full of themselves. They got smoke blown up their ass. You know, sorry that I'm babbling. I remember saying that when I, <clears throat> when I moved to the States, the, the one thing that was a uh, copaganda ish about the United States who made me think the cops here were awesome was nine 11 was how much cops got like props here after nine 11. So by the time I got here, I had this image of like cops as huge heroes. Cause that was like the image that they had in pop culture. That's what medical people feel like after COVID. They got smoke blown up their ass for being heroes. Did you see this movie that's going to come out? That's coming out about COVID called like Alone Together, where there's a hold on. I'll, I'll, you, you say something and I'll, I'll find the quote, the quote that made me cringe with my entire body. It's like part of the dialogue. I literally do not want to know what this movie is going to be about. It's Well, it's about two people get get stuck during during the during like the pandemic and they got to like quarantine together. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There were a lot of stories like that of people who were just like all of a sudden had to quarantine with their roommates that they knew for like two weeks. And it's like, okay. But yeah, that's, I, I it just, please don't tell me it's going to be like a rom-com or something like that. Cause I can't, Wait, no, somebody did that. I think it was... There was a rom-com. I, my, I tweeted, I mean, I tweeted, like, uh, when the pandemic was, like, very young, that there was going to... I, I, I uh, predicted that there was going to be, like, a rom-com called The Social Distance. <laughs> that was my prediction. It didn't happen, but there was something close to... Oh, here it is. Okay, so, oh, Katie Holmes, here's the scene. So, there's a scene in this movie where uh, she utters the words... 
the only thing that matters are essential workers, and I'm not essential. I hate it already. That's great. I've heard one line from this movie, and I fucking hate it. I already it. hate it. I already hate it. I hate it, it already. Th- thanks, I hate it. It looks so. It looks so good. <laughs> Looks, no, it looks so good. Oh no, you guys! I'm looking at like one of the promo shots, and it's that cliche touching forehead. Yes, um, with ooh. eyes closed. Nobody that, does that. Her hands are like her hands on are like his neck, caressing his beard. Is that uh? Is that uh? What's his name? Is that the guy from Across the Universe whose career never really took off? No, no. Uh, He's in atonement as well. I can't remember. But anyway, that's going to be super cringe. But yeah, like a lot. And you know, you know, all of these, all of these fake TikToker nurses and not fake TikToker nurses. Or Did you see that TikTok or was it a picture, an Instagram picture of a nurse? And it just said like the TFW, you just lost a patient or something. Did you see that one where it was like, I'm sure there are so many of that. Such a microcosm of the me, me, me generation. Like why, why would you share that? Yeah. It's like the, it's, it's a, it's a very low key version of like the, everybody look at me. I just lost the selfie from Auschwitz. You know, those, (laughs) Oh God. There was the one where he was also not apologetic about it. He was like, I didn't know what your people want. We were just having a nice day together. And yeah, we were at a sad place, but like, so what? Yeah, I'm just having a, like a kick-ass day at Auschwitz. Yeah, there's, I mean, there is a, we, I think. Super we need, positive vibes there, I hear. We, we need to acknowledge that there is a generational thing here where there are people now that have different uh, notions of what putting something on social media means. Like what are the implications of it and how, what uh, space it, it occupies in their lives. And yeah, the idea is like, I'm smiling. The thing isn't, what you know what I mean? Like it's almost like an, in a bubble. Like imagine you're putting like a Linsta bubble around yourself and you're like, hi. <laughs> like, okay, back to my sad day. You know, like that's, that's how they see, they don't think it. It's, I'm trying to get in the mind of someone like that. I, maybe I'm being too kind. Maybe they're just dumb and that's it. I don't know, but yeah, there was just there was a lot of that. I think it almost feels like so much of this has been like not quite memory hold, but even like going back to like the great testing fiasco. It's like that was replaced by the great vaccine fiasco, and everyone forgets. Oh wait, we had the great testing fiasco before the great vaccine fiasco. Well, yeah, now we're in the phase of the like. Well, I don't think we should be wasting time litigating who was right and who was wrong. It's important to be looking ahead to the future. Nah, let's litigate who was right and who was wrong. Here, yeah, Lisa Rosenberg, who's like Vox is. Oh no, sorry, she's now at the, she's now at the Washington Post. Wasn't she at Fox? I think she might have been at Fox. Um, uh, oh, she's she's on there or whatever. But she wrote. I'm basically totally uninterested in who was right and who was wrong in the summer of 2020. Kids don't need adults' self-justifications. They need us to get moving and looking forward. Now, first of all, no, no. Even if there was no benefit to calling out who was wrong, I think it's important to call out who was wrong. But there also happens to be a benefit, which is that the people who are wrong shouldn't be saying what we do now. That's the thing. You're trying to point at who's going to tell us what to do going forward. And the people who were wrong in the summer of 2020 shouldn't be those people. Now, my favorite part is the kids don't need adult self-justification. Like, A, that's not what anybody's asking for. And B, 
please don't invoke the kids if you're going to talk about 2020. Like that's don't 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 bring don't bring up the it's, kids. It's it's interesting, you know. I think about I think about. Uh, the, there's a generational thing, like a point that I, I hear some people make sometimes and I didn't even think about because I don't have kids, is the idea that children like suffered the most uh, under COVID because they are, uh, they are they essentially kids are the most oppressed group in society, if you think about it, in those kind of abstract terms, meaning all kids can be told to do something that's unjust and there's nobody, like they, they cannot fight for themselves. Like kids... If you do something that discriminates against children, it's only non-children who can fight against it, right? And it's and and so yeah, and there was all these arguments about I don't know, can the kids seem resilient? My kids aren't. My kids don't seem bothered by having to mask, and it's like I, anyway, yeah, that idea that like the children had essentially no, you know, they couldn't speak for themselves as a group and so it was a lot easier to be like yeah just keep a mask yeah, whatever who cares yeah and I, I love the people who want to be like well my kids don't have problems now I'm like alright we'll check back in in five years because it's, it's oh that's another fun thing that's now apparently a-okay to say in public which is that there's a learning gap with people like kids who still went to school during COVID and kids that stayed home I remember when you got roasted for saying that online and then the president's just out here saying it now. And it's like, oh, I guess we're allowed to talk about when people were right and when people were wrong now? Yeah, and, and lest us forget, lest, lest we forget that the, under, that the under 18 death toll from COVID uh, the, for the entire pandemic, don't look at the screen. Do you want to guess how many zero to 17 died of COVID this entire pandemic, right? The total death toll is a million and 15,000. So a million something. How many of them were under 18? I'm going to say a thousand. You're, you are actually correct. It is 1100. Oh, wow. 1100. I swear I didn't look at the screen, y'all. 11, <laughs> listen to this. 1125 under 18 in two in over two years right because it's two years and four months now somebody's gonna you know the twitter thing to be like he's like oh so it's only a thousand children died but it was like no no that's not it what i'm saying is that uh uh one tenth of one percent it you know it it our, our children, like, you know, one in a, th- every one in a thousand deaths in this pandemic was under 18. And if you, uh, if you subdivide that age group even further, most of those deaths are, you know, like lean towards the older one and overwhelmingly in that age group has to do with comorbidities, other diseases and immunocompromising things like, like children, help children who don't suffer from other shit did not die from COVID. They didn't, and yet they were the ones. I saw the again the image of like a old, like a like a whatever like an obese parent walking with his two children and they're masked and he isn't. And it's like this is so upside down. What the fuck? Yeah, I, there is going to be a reckoning that's going to have to happen because I mean you can't, especially with children, especially with the education gaps that you're going to start seeing. 
and even the the social gaps that you're starting to see like you're, it's starting to become more prominent with the high schoolers we talk a lot about like elementary schoolers but high schoolers are coming back in and after that two years off they're like basically two grades behind not only on an educational level but on a socialization level so they get back in there and you've got like ninth graders acting like seventh graders and that's not particularly ideal and that's where a lot of other issues came into play too so it's like it's not it's it's going to be a lot to untangle over i'd say the next decade because i mean there's no way that there isn't residual damage from this yeah, yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of reckoning. It's gonna be interesting to see what uh, pe- uh, kids on the like um, on the higher end, like kids who have formative memories of this, are gonna what what that's gonna do to them when they're adults, when they're voters, and when they're you know members of actual society. Maybe it would I, it would be interesting if like a lot of people now go into virology to like fucking fix it. That would be interesting if that happens. Uh, but anyway, I think we're. We're like uh, drawing to a close here on this uh, this episode of us just sitting here and babbling into my <laughs> phone uh, as I as I scroll through Twitter for both of us to look at idly. Uh, thank you for thank you for tuning in. Uh, yeah, back uh, as usual on Sunday for uh, ambitious crossover attempt. Uh, Jen, you want to do you want to do some plugs? Um, yeah, so our main pod, Ambitious Crossover Attempt, that comes out on Mondays. Um, obviously, you're here on Colin, all crossed out. We will be going back to Wednesdays at 8.30, so don't get used to the Thursday thing. That was just a couple of weeks. Um, you can find us at our main podcast. You can find us on Google Play, Apple, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, all your podcast catchers. Obviously, you can catch all crossed out on Get Colin, either live or you can listen to it after the fact. Or you could download that into your podcast catchers. Um, you can find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and on jenmonroe.substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and youtube.com slash C slash Neon Taster and twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. Uh, and uh, that's about it. Oh, my appearance on Sacred Symbols Plus with Colin Moriarty is going to go live on YouTube this Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday, like, you know, next Wednesday. It is Thursday. The upcoming uh, Wednesday. Yes, I know. Um, I was thinking it's Sunday, you know, whatever. Brain fried. Anyway, thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Noam. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Bye.